The following podcast is part of the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. You're listening to Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in for this Unity Partner Program. Unity Online Radio partners with spiritual leaders from organizations whose mission and messages complement Unity's. We are pleased to bring you this program on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Welcome to Truth Transforms with your host, Rev. Galen McDowell, Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. This is the program for spiritually enlightening discussion, interviews, and the practical application of new thought principles to transform your life. Now, here's your host, Rev. Galen McDowell. Welcome to Truth Transforms. I'm your host, Galen McDowell, and I'm the Senior Assistant Minister at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, where the Reverend Derek B. Wells is the Senior Minister, and the Reverend Dr. Johnny Coleman is the Founder. We're in the midst of a series titled Agents of Transformation, and I've been getting uh, powerful people who are making a positive difference in the world, and interviewing them about their expertise and how we can utilize their information and practically transform our own lives. So today I have a very special uh, guest, a guest that I originally heard at Christ Universal Temple as a young man of all of, I believe I was 21 or 22 years old when I originally heard Dr. Kimbrough give a lesson at Christ Universal Temple titled, The Difference Between a Man and a Boy. I still have it on VHS. <laughs> and uh, Dr. Kimbrough is an expert on black wealth and success and a pro- professor at Clark Atlanta University, uh, uh, expert of experts. You, If you don't have his material, if you're not aware of Dr. Dennis Kimbrough, you're in for a treat and you'll make sure that you get all the information you need to get. So without further ado, we have on the line. Dr. Dennis Kimbrough. How are you doing, Dr. Kimbrough? Reverend McDowell, I am doing fine, man. Great to hear from you. Looking forward to coming up to CUT and sharing more information and being with my family. Because I've been there so many times, and uh, uh, I wouldn't be nearly the individual I am today without the uh, founder emeritus, Johnny Coleman. Yes. Now, I was going to ask you originally to start off with, Give us a little bit of your background, but last week was Reverend Coleman's birthday, and because of that, it just popped in my mind. Could you tell us a little bit about your relationship with her, because you had a very good and close relationship with Reverend Coleman? Oh, without a doubt. Um, I was in Chicago uh, working on my first book. I didn't know anything about CUT and the like, and... um, I've always been drawn to the writing similar of Napoleon Hill, and I was looking for a certain book. And I I guess I uh, frequented a a Unity bookstore, or just, no, just a regular Barnes & Noble or Crock & Britano bookstore in Chicago, and they didn't have the book. And they said, there's only one bookstore in the Chicago area that would carry material like this. And I said, where? And... They said, Christ Universal Temple. I said, is that downtown? They said, no, you've got to go out to, uh, I believe, what, the northwest side of Chicago, whatever. And I went out there. I called the bookstore and found out that they were open, caught a cab, and went out there and walked into the bookstore, and I knew I was in heaven. Got invited <laughs> to a, a, a Sunday service. And um, met, uh, you know, Dr. Coleman in the process, and the rest is history. Um, I guess I was like a kid in a candy store picking up books from all great, inspiring truth and transformational authors, uh, those individuals who had their hands and pulse on information that we all need. So from there, I mean, that's the backflap story, and our relationship grew. 
And when Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice came out, that book was only out for five minutes before Christ Universal Temple called me up, and I came in, gave a weekend presentation, and I've been there numerous Sundays sharing any and all information that I have. Beautiful, beautiful. <clears throat> so now that we've got the Reverend Coleman story out of the way, and excuse me, <clears throat> for whatever reason, <clears throat> have a little cough here I will address. Could you give us a little bit about your background and how did you become an expert in teaching about black wealth and success? Well, I, I thank you for throwing that moniker on me. Uh, I don't know if I'm an expert. That has been my one thing that uh, I wanted to do. And as I shared with my students a couple of days ago, uh, in all due respect, and rightfully so, we should be concerned as a race, as a people, um, what went on in our past. If you come to my study, Reverend McDowell, you will find numerous books on slavery. I got all the great authors. I got Chancellor Williams, Destruction of Black Civilization. I got Walter Rodney. I got books by Herbert Gutman, Eugene Genovese. Um, I got John Hope Franklin, C.L.R. James, you name it, Ben Joe Cannon, whatever. But I didn't want to do that. I mean, yeah, for 400 years as a race, you know, we have been trapped in slavery. And what people don't know is that prior to the era of those 400 years of slavery, we had more than 5,000 years of preeminence. We had more than 5,000 years of domination, more than 5,000 years of excellence, of distinction, of leading the parade. And that resonated with me when I got my degree, when I came out of Northwestern. What in the world do, do I want to focus in on? 400 years of slavery, and rightfully so, or the 5,000 years that we had of distinction? And so I said, well, that's an easy answer for me. And all I did was focus on the achievement, focus on the peak performers, focus on the wealth creators, those men and women who have you know, done mostly, mostly in life. And so I started uh, you know, carving out names of men and women who I wanted to interview to sort of chronicle and capture you know, their success stories. And uh, lo and behold, I wrote a list of 50 individuals that I wanted to interview. They didn't know me, but I certainly knew them. And that list grew from 50 to 100 to more than 150 interviews. And many of these interviews were chronicled. And I remember Success Magazine caught wind of what I was doing, asked me to write a series of articles. And I wrote a couple articles, and Reverend McDowell, one of those articles made it to the desk of W. Clement Stone. And for your listeners and, and viewers out there, W. Clement Stone in the 1970s, late 60s, early 70s, was the Bill Gates of his time, one of the wealthiest here in the United States. And he was also president of the Napoleon Hill Foundation. Well, lo and behold, like I said, the article made it to his desk, and uh, I got a phone call from the Napoleon Hill Foundation after I interviewed Earl Graves, the publisher of Black Enterprise Magazine. And uh, he said, young man, we heard about you. When can you come to Chicago? I would like to meet you. A couple of weeks, I returned the phone call the next day, and a couple of weeks later, me and my wife flew up to Chicago, and I spent the better part of an afternoon with W. Clement Stone. Uh, as I said, he was the president of the Napoleon Hill Foundation, and I didn't have the slightest idea what he had in mind. I go there, I spend the day with him, and he said, based on what we see in here, i got a proposition for you. And I said, what is that? We want you to uh, finish an updated book. And I said, what book? And he said, uh, the book that I'm about to place in your lap. Lo and behold, Napoleon Hill, who wrote the all-time bestseller, Think and Grow Rich, at the time of his death, was attempting to write a black version of that classic. He got 100 pages into the manuscript, died of a stroke, 87 years old, and W. Clement Stone held on to those 100 pages for 16 years until the day that I walked into his office, November 4th, 1986, the day my life changed forever. And ironically, my first response was, no, I, I, I couldn't do it. And he wanted to know why not. And I said, because I'm working on a book of my own, and my book was going to be What Makes the Great Great. He said, if you've got any sense, you'll push your book aside and finish this. Make a long story short, Think and Grow Rich, a black choice, 25 years old, more than a million copies in print. And uh, I am just honored and humbled if anybody would still to this day pick it up and read it. 
Beautiful, beautiful. We're actually teaching the book, as you know, <clears throat> for our, during our Sunday services. We're actually studying it <laughs> chapter by chapter. Wow. Yeah, yeah, and, Reverend Wells. And, I'm on, and some people think that the book was just released. I have students all the time, man. I said, that book is older than you, man. <laughs> Which is, yes. Reverend McDowell, when the student is ready, the teacher will appear. Absolutely, absolutely. And for many people who were not here when the book was originally uh, presented by you and Reverend Coleman, because from my understanding, she even put it in the Johnny Coleman Institute for people to study it more intensively. It's a oh, new book for people. They're like, wow, I didn't realize, you know, you know, many things about our own history, uh, the African-American culture and success, which I think besides being a great book of principle, it's actually a great history book. I'm actually going to have my 16-year-old daughter, Angel, read the book. I have her reading something else right now. When she finishes it, she's going to start reading this. This is it's going to be required reading. I want to make sure that she <laughs> – I'm serious, man, when it comes to my kid. She needs to have the right information. I don't play as a dad. So <laughs> you go and rightfully so. The best advice I'd ever been given um, came from the foundation. When they gave me the task, you know, I didn't immediately sit down uh, and, and started writing. As a matter of fact, I got to give credit where credit is due. After two or three months, I was just continue to work on my book, What Makes the Great Great. And my wife came to me and said, well, what are you going to do uh, about that offer? And I said, uh, I don't know. I said, you know, I've, I've spent so much time on my book. She said, well, you better call that man and tell him one way or another. And that sort of propelled me and compelled me to get busy. So, Reverend McDowell, I wrote about 90 pages, put it in an envelope, sent it to the foundation. They received it, opened it up, read it, and threw it in the trash. And I said, no problem. I'm a big boy. I can handle it. Several weeks later, I guess I wrote about 125 pages, did the same thing, placed it in an overnight envelope, sent it to the foundation. They read that and threw that in the trash. But before I could write another page, a gentleman by the name of Mike Ritt, who was the um, uh, executive secretary to Napoleon Hill, he traveled with Napoleon Hill, taped all of his speeches, booked all of his airlines, and he, it was um, Mike Ritt was his personal confidant. He called me up, and he said, uh, Dennis, we, uh, we received your writings, and uh, we got a request. We got a special favor. And I said, sure, if I can do it. And they said, take your doctorate, take your Ph.D., put it on a shelf. You won't need it for this assignment. And I said, what do you mean? She says, we don't want you to write this book as if you're writing a research paper. We want you to write this book as if you're writing a letter to a friend. Best advice I've ever been given. In other words, we want this book to be timeless. And we want it to be, you know, no matter where you are in your personal growth and development, no matter if you're 16 years old, if you're 61 years old, there's food and there's inspiration and motivation for you on every page. And so I, I took a look at my writings, and I would never say to use you as, a, as an anecdote or a metaphor, Dr. Uh, Reverend McDowell, I would say here's Galen McDowell, a, a black man who had a tough time for success. I would never write that. What I would write, Reverend McDowell, here's a black man who climbed the back stairs to success. Now, what do you feel? Which one do you remember? I would never say that Reverend McDowell was a slave. What I would write, here is a black man whose entire life was spent at the end of a chain. And so I sort of uh, transformed my writing and made those additions and uh, deletions and, and whatever. And I think that really set this book apart. Yes, yes. It, it, it's really standing out. People are really being impacted by reading the book again for the first time at Christ yeah. Universal Temple. Now, I want to ask you about your current book, The Wealth Choice, because mm -hmm. in this book, you give basically the seven laws of wealth. And we have a break that we have to take in about five minutes or so. But just to start the conversation on the laws of wealth, um. You know, I wanted, you know, if you could give us a synopsis of it. you don't have to do it all in the five minutes, but just to give us an overview of what it means when you say the seven laws of wealth. Well, you know, these are seven best practices that I found in my interaction of a seven year study with black millionaires. Um, I may have shared this with you in the past. When Martin Luther King led the Montgomery bus boycott in 1955, there were only five black millionaires in the United States. 
I interviewed four of the five and shared their story in Thinking Grow Rich of Black Choice. Well, today there are 35,000 black millionaires and six black billionaires in the United States, and over a seven-year period, Reverend McDowell, between focus groups, between surveys, and between one-on-one interviews, I rubbed shoulders, I interacted with no less than 1,000 black millionaires. And what I found in that process, I found seven core competencies, seven core values, seven best practices that if they don't implement on a daily or weekly basis, they do it several times a month. These are guiding principles that they use. And right off the bat, you know, um, law number one is that, you know, wealth begins in the mind but ends in the purse. In other words, you've got to have a wealth consciousness if you are going to reach seven-figure status. And the underpinning of what these men and women did, they changed their mind. And that's the greatest gift that we've ever been given by our creator is the ability to change your mind. And your most, com- your most powerful competitive advantage that you've ever been given is the passionate committed mind. The passionate committed mind can't be defeated. If the passionate, committed mind could be defeated, there would be no Bob Johnson of BET. There would be no Oprah Winfrey of, uh, you know, the Oprah Winfrey show or the Oprah Winfrey channel own network. There would be no Kathy Hughes of radio or TV one. There would be no Chad Hurley of YouTube. There would be no Kevin Sinstrom of Instagram. The passionate, committed mind cannot, cannot be defeated. And here's my question to you listeners. What are you passionate about? What is your area of excellence? I didn't choose to be here, and you didn't choose to be here. The bottom line, you were chosen. Chosen to do what? Everybody on this call, everybody within listening voice of, uh, you know, of of my voice, you know, um, we didn't choose to be here, and you didn't choose to be here. You were chosen. So what were you been chosen to do? If you didn't show up at this particular time and place, what would the world miss? So until we make that distinction, until, you know, we change our mind about present circumstances, you can forget wealth, and you can really forget success. And that was the starting point. That's, that, that stood, that one, that one law is front and center in all of their lives. Okay. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. A consciousness of prosperity. You know, oh, Reverend Coleman was like, I mean, prosperity is a state of mind. Yes. Yes, without a doubt. You look at... Those folks who, and I mentioned this in the wealth and uh, the wealth choice, folks who hit the lottery, over, overnight success, become millionaires in the lottery. The overwhelming majority of them, you know, uh, Pastor McDowell, they're broke within five years. Why? Because they never had a consciousness for wealth. They never developed a consciousness of wealth. They never became the person that they set out to become. Now they wanted to be a millionaire, and they were a millionaire with their windfall, with their net worth. But they never, they never had that transformative process. And if you don't have the transformative process, you will never become the individual you set out to be. And what does the Bible say? The Bible says, do not diminish the day of small beginnings. In other words, start where you are with what you have, knowing that what you have is plenty enough. Everybody's got to start someplace. Well, doggone it, this is your someplace. Where? Right there in your home, right there in your condo, right there in your apartment, right there in your dorm. Well, what do I do? You change your mind. What does the Bible say? The Bible says repent. And what is repent? Change your mind. Change your thinking. Master, we fished all day, and we haven't caught a thing. Well, this time, cast your nets on the right side. And he wasn't talking in terms of right versus left. He wasn't talking in terms of your thinking. You know the color of the sky, but do you know the sign of the times? Again, what does he talk? Think. Having done all things, think. Beautiful, beautiful. We're we're about one minute from our first break, so I want to give the callers an opportunity to ask questions. And in between the calls, we can talk about more of the seven laws or while we're waiting on calls. Callers, if you want to call in after the break, you can call in at 888-558-6489. Again, the number is 888-558-6489 to ask Dr. Kimbrough a question. I know you're out there listening because I know the question is take advantage of the opportunity to ask the questions you need because sometimes when somebody says it slightly different from the way you're used to hearing it, it opens up a new level of awareness that helps Mm -hmm. you get your breakthrough. 
So don't get stuck in your breakdown. Use that breakdown to get your blessing. Blessing, but you need to get the lesson out of it first. So 888-558-6489. I want to remind you that this show is supported by your donations. So please go to Unity Online Radio, unity.fm. Click on the donate button and help support this online ministry. We'll be right back with Truth Transforms. Unity Online Radio brings you inspiring programs on a variety of spiritual topics. Giving to the network is now easier than ever. Simply text Unity Radio to 72727 from your smartphone. You can make a one-time or recurring donation. Your gifts help us offer enriching spiritual programs that reach listeners around the world. Text Unity Radio to 72727. Thank you for your support. Hello, listeners. Did you know we've gone mobile? That's right. Your favorite Unity online radio programs are available on your mobile device. Now you can take us with you wherever you go. Using apps from Live 365 or Stitcher, you can listen to Unity Online Radio live or on demand. To learn more, visit www.unity.fm and click on Mobile Listening. Every moment we live can be holy, and all we need to do to experience that state is to make the decision to do so. Everything we do can be a prayer, and by using our innate creativity with intention, in every aspect of our lives, that can indeed be true. Author Carla Kincannon wrote, Creativity is so much more than art making. It is a tool for navigating through everyday experiences to find the sacred in each God-given moment. Discover Creative Spirit, Wednesdays at 4 p.m. Central Time, and experience the joy of connecting to spirit through creative expression. What if you were intentional about your life, committed to having more energy and being more vibrant? Join Reverend Temple Hayes, spiritual leader of First Unity at Unity Campus in St. Petersburg, Florida, as she guides you on a journey to an intentional and energetic life. Empower your life and fully express the wondrous energy, love, and joy you hold in your wildest imagining. Joyfully and actively know that more important than what happens after you die is the deeper and enriching concern for what happens while you're living. How can you experience an incredible life right now? Learn how each week on The Intentional Spirit. Seeing and Being, Wednesdays at 1 p.m. Central Time, right here on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms. Now, here's your host, Reverend Galen McDowell. Welcome back to Truth Transforms. I have Dr. Dennis Kimbrough, the author of The Wealth Choice, Think and Grow Rich, A Black Choice, What Makes the Great Great, What Keeps Me Standing, and I'm sure I might be missing something else, Uh, Daily Affirmations for African American Success. (laughs) I have all the books, as you, as you can see. Uh, <laughs> and we want to make sure that you have an opportunity to, to call in and ask him some questions. So please make sure that you take advantage of the moment. Call in at 888-558-6489, 888-558-6489. Dr. Kimbrough, while we're waiting on people to call in, I wanted you to please just continue to go forward. You talked about the first law of wealth, uh, the wealth of knowledge. Could you 
please go forward with the other um, points? Oh, yeah. Uh, uh, law number two, they decided that they weren't going to be poor. I mean, Galen, I mean, th this is the story of black men and women who hit their financial goals and objectives. No one put a ball in their hand. No one put a microphone in their mouth. And it's a story that needs to be told. But number two, they decided they weren't going to be poor regardless of their financial conditions. I mean, when you look at the data surrounding African-American millionaires, for the most part, they're all self-made. In other words, they, the average black millionaire came from a household with, um, you know, an income of ten to $20,000. I shared this story. I had a great interview with a gentleman by the name of Victor McFarland. And Victor McFarland, uh, he was a real estate developer. Now, as you know, I said there are six black billionaires in the United States. Right. I was going to say, Dr. Kimmel, just for a moment. I was you had about you. ten other individuals who were about to cross that threshold of okay. billionaireship, but they couldn't hold it. And Victor McFarland was one of them. He's a real estate developer out in San Francisco. I guess his business is, uh, you know, more than $600 million. And when I interviewed him, he shared his background with me, born and raised in uh, a middle-class community, Middletown, Ohio, to a single parent. And for the first 12 years of his life, um, he and his mother and his older sister lived in a one-bedroom apartment in Ohio. And that one bedroom was, of course, for his mother. And they had in the waiting area a couch. And that couch would let out into a bed. And for 12 years, Victor McFarlane and his older sister had to sleep on that couch. And when he shared that with me, I said, man, Victor, that had to be tough, man, sleeping on the couch with your older sister growing up. And he cut me off the knees. He said, Doc, I don't want any sympathy. I don't want any empathy. When I look back, those are probably the best 12 years of my life. I said, what do you mean? He said, it was sleeping on that couch for the first 12 years of my life that I made the decision that poverty would have no place in my life. You've got to decide. At the counter of success, there are no bargains. You must pay the price in advance and in full. Number one, you got a set of vision for your life, a financial vision for your life. Number two, you got to have a timetable. Don't worry about the distance. Worry about the direction. Make sure that you are always moving closer to your goals. Number three, what does it take? What is it going to? Is there going to be sacrifices? What must you give up in terms, you know, to reach the goals and objectives? Every room has a door. Every door has a key, and every problem has a solution. What must you sacrifice? And there's going to be a sacrifice. I mean, you look at your Lord and Savior. Before he was resurrected, he was crucified. Before your mother gave birth, she was in labor. Before you had a black president, you were enslaved. Dr. Kimber, what in the world are you saying? I'm saying pay the price and it is yours. And then last but not least, come up with a to-do list. In other words, what must you stop doing? Because it's taking you away from your goals and objectives. So they made a conscious decision that they weren't going to be poor. Your past is no predictor of your future. What is a predictor of your future? The dreams and visions that you have in your mind. So, number one, you know, they made a conscious decision, you know, excuse me, they made a conscious decision they weren't going to be poor. And number two, number one, wealth, prosperity always begins in the mind, but ends in the purse. Beautiful, beautiful. Law number three, oh, oh, you know, for uh, Dr. Dr. they believe in themselves when no one else will. Dr. No, I asked, I spent Kathy Hughes. I spent two uh, days with Kathy Hughes, as you know. She is one of your six black billionaires, and she told me that when she bought her first radio station in Washington D.C. for the first you know year in that radio station, she slept on the floor, and that restroom down at the end of the corridor. Well, that was the bathroom that she and her son bathed in every day, and they ate off a hot plate. I asked Tyler Perry. I said, Tyler. Uh, how in the world did you go from sleeping in your car in New Orleans and sleeping in your car in Atlanta, Georgia, to building a $145 million production studio? He said, nothing but the grace of God. There I am with Damon John of Shark Tank. And I said, Damon, what was the high watermark in your life? He said, uh, what do you mean high watermark? I said, that moment in your life when you didn't know if you were going to make it or not. He said, that, he said that's easy. He said, uh, the day in which I had to burn the furniture. I said, what do you mean burn the furniture? He said, when I finally got financing from Samsung and I hired all these seamstresses, they showed up at my mother's house with all their equipment. And I had no place to put their equipment. I said, so what did you do? He said, I took all the furniture out of my mother's house, put it in the backyard, and I set it on fire. I mean, that is believing in yourself when no one else knows. 
when no one else will. And that's the, that's the hallmark of persistence that all these individuals had. Persistence is the level of belief that you have in yourself. And Reverend McDowell, here's the key. You're the only individual that keeps score. You're the only individual that keeps score. When you look at the mile markers of black millionaires, the, the average, you know, when I set out and I surveyed these individuals, I asked the key question. I said, what age were you when you broke six figures, when you earned six figures? And that came 99.9% .9 of the time, age 30. So at age 30, they began to earn six figures. I said, how old were you when you got the big picture that you could go on to millionaireship? And they said, age 41. So age 30, they're earning six figures, $100,000 or more. Age 41, they got the big picture that they could be a millionaire. And what is the average age of a black millionaire? Age 52. So the bottom line is, if you are earning six figures at age 30, don't listen to me. Don't, don't, don't let me confuse you. Just keep doing what you're doing because you are on the fast track to seven figures. Beautiful. Dr. Kimbrough, you have a caller on the line named Leslie. Can you hear me? Are you still there? Yeah, I'm still here. Yes. Can you hear me? Okay. I'm having a, uh, oh, okay. Well, um, I had I have one more question if we have time. Go what ahead. advice would you give to middle class black families who want to participate in the stock market? So, like most of us are paying off debt and we're getting our finances in order, but where can we go for advice and guidance on how to invest and get in the game? Well, in, in terms of getting in the game, and that's why, you know, the 07, 08 recession mm -hmm. was devastating to black families because when it occurred and our 401K became a 201K, we got out of the game. Yeah. No, there's going to be cyclical events to the stock market. When you look at the stock market for the last 50, 7,500 years, mm -hmm. I mean, the average growth is anywhere between 12 and 14%. You can't save that fast. Now, I don't care any other financial tool that you have. That's the benefit of the stock market. But it's cyclical. It's, yeah. it's you know, there's ups and downs. There's highs and lows. It's a roller coaster. I mean, students and people ask me, well, when does the roller coaster end? The roller coaster never ends until you get off the roller coaster. Okay. But the bottom line is you've got to be in it to win it, and, and you said it, and it's so apropos. But there are norms and more ways. There are idiosyncrasies to investing, and it begins with saving. Don't save to save. Save to invest. Yeah. And there's different time periods in which, in which you can save. If you're starting out, like my business students, age 21, then you can afford to be risky. You can afford to take chances. You can afford to, you know, look at those uh, industries or um, those particular businesses in which you see are high growth, emerging markets, and the like. But if you're my age, age 65, you've got to be a little bit more conservative. Uh, you've got to be a little bit more close to the best in terms of throwing your money out there because you don't have time to recoup any losses. So number one, save to save. Uh, actually, number one is get in the game. Number two, save to save. But number three, focus on those industries. Focus on those areas in which you know the businesses and you're a customer. So you look at black America and you look at our buying habits. And if you don't know the buying habits of black America, I challenge all your listeners to go online and go to Nielsen and Nielsen tracks the, the consumption behavior and the industries and the businesses uh, of black America unlike any other. Okay. So if you know that, say you're looking at Nike, mm -hmm. and you know that uh, one out of five black males, I mean, Nike, uh, black males are 6% of uh, the marketplace of the demographic, but we buy more than one out of five pairs of shoes that Nike produces. If you look at cologne, if you look at clothing and the like, and you find the buying habits. Um, if you look at certain industries, no one watches more TV than African Americans. If you have a proclivity to that business, to that enterprise, to that market segment, do it. And if you don't, I mean, to look at mutual funds. You've got mutual funds for every particular area out there. Um, me and my wife, we have mutual funds in healthcare. We have mutual funds in transportation. We have mutual funds um, in Silicon Valley and technology and the like where you can spread your interest out 
over a number of businesses. But once you, once you get in it, don't jump out. Because like I said, uh, there's going to be highs and lows and any reason for, for you to stop and pull your money out. Okay. I got Thank it. you, I Leslie. I appreciate the call. Mm-hmm. All right. I think that's all. Uh, beautiful. Dr. Kimbrough, can you hear me? I, I think we were having for a moment some technical difficulties. Can you hear me? Can you hear me? Any other questions? Yes. I do uh, if we have time. Do we have time? Yes. Dr. Kimbrough, can you hear me? I don't Dr. think Kimbrough? he can hear me. Leslie, yeah, let him know. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm, okay, I, do, I hear two different things I'm, happening. I'm, I'm so. talking to Reverend McDowell, but I guess not. Oh. No, no. Let, I let, let, thought let you were too, so I'm not sure where we are. Um, I did have another question, but I didn't want to um, take over the show. So I have a question for um, middle-aged people. I'm going to call myself middle-aged. I'm over 40. For people who are interested in changing careers, and again, we're talking about building wealth, but if you need additional education, it costs money. I have a fear of going backwards financially to get the additional education that would put me in a career that might earn me more money. Don't do that. Don't do that. I told my students yesterday, I said, Warren Buffett, his hallmark to success, he reads 10 hours a day. And what do we we know that folks who refuse to learn? They taught, they, the the, the fear is the the cost of learning. There is no fear of cost of learning, but there's a huge highest cost for ignorance. What I want you to do is focus in on your area of excellence, and there's three things you've got to do. Okay. Number one, turn your should-dos into must-dos. You know, is this something that you want to do? Then go ahead and do it. Number two, get rid of the self-limiting beliefs. Get rid of the I can'ts. Get rid of the toxic people. Get rid of the naysayers, unbelievers, non-achievers. Get them out of your life. Okay. And number three, get around the best. Go to the best seminars, go to the best conferences, read the best books, find the best advisors, go ahead and get the best coaches, find those people worthy of emulation, and learn from them. But you never have to worry about income, and you never have to worry about employment until you find your area of excellence. Have you found your area of excellence? Are you doing what you love to do? Are you doing what you've been sent here to do? And how do you find your area of excellence? Ask yourself three critical questions. Question number one, what do I love to do? What do I have a passion for? What can I throw my whole heart and soul into? Mm-hmm. Question number two, what would I do for free? Yeah. If no one ever paid you a dime, if no one ever gave you financial reward for your efforts, remuneration, what would you do for free? Because when you're doing what you love to do and you do it for free, your work is your play. And if your work is your play, you'll never work a day in your life. Absolutely. And last but not least, if you can't answer those two prior questions, go to those people who you respect and admire and ask them, what do you see me as? What do you think I would be good at doing? Now, why do I want you to do this? Because when you find and identify your area of excellence, you never have to worry about income and you never have to worry about employment because the marketplace will seek you out. And you always know how effective you are in your current vocation Mm -hmm. by just the number of people who are trying to hire you away from your current employer. Okay. I get phone calls. I get emails. I get text messages all the time. I'm sure oh, you do. You're still teaching at Clark Atlanta? <laughs> yeah, I'm still at Clark Atlanta. You're amazing. Have okay. you ever thought about blah, blah, blah? Have you ever thought about, well, how many folks are trying to pull you away? Gotcha. Gotcha. Look at Jay-Z. Jay-Z says in his latest book, I knew I was making headway in the world of hip-hop when all the haters were coming after me. Well, my question to you is who's coming after you? Gotcha. Right. Whose radar are you on? And you know the rules, either be phenomenal or be forgotten. Okay, I got it. Dr. Kimbrough, can you I hear me? It. I appreciate all of the information. Um, I'm, I'm not sure what happened to Reverend McDowell, but I appreciate this. Um, you, you, can so you all I'm hear me? All my notes. I think I'm going to hang up and make sure that you two are still connected. <laughs> no problem. But it, it's been amazing. I'm a member of Christ Universal Temple, so if I ever have the opportunity to introduce myself, I certainly will. Well, I hope to see you Saturday or Sunday, child. Oh, oh well, then I'll be there. Is that where you'll be? <laughs> <laughs> I will be at church because that is literally it was one of my biggest questions. I'm interested in additional education. I know I have to spend money. I don't want to go backwards. I'm also trying to build wealth. Um, so yeah. And the, highest, and the highest form of wealth is knowledge. Yes, yes, I agree, I agree. Wealth is knowledge. 
Okay. You know, the, you know that story. Jesus has been missing for three days, and when they finally kept up to him, they said, where have you been? You had people worried. You know, folks been looking for you for the last three days, and what was his response? Wait a minute. You're looking for me? Mm-hmm. You, you know where I've been. I'm, all, I'm about my father's business. My father's business. Well, what is your father's business? Your father's business is growth and development. Your father's business is taking the information. Your father's business is reading the book, going to seminars, going to the conferences, being better today than you were yesterday. That's your father's business. Beautiful, beautiful. Dr. Kimber, I had some technical difficulties. For whatever reason, nobody could hear me. <laughs> so I actually called into the show. <laughs> I'm visiting now. I appreciate you both, and I'll see you. See you Saturday, twelve to two, Leslie. Thank you. Twelve to two. All Bye. right. All right. So I don't I don't know what happened, and um, that's all I can say. I don't know what happened, but I wanted to make sure that we did the emergency backup. So I called in as if I was a caller, and <laughs> so we could finish this interview. Wow. No problem. Before we before we go forward uh, with the with the third law of wealth, I want to again I don't to let people know that you will be at Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois, from 12 to 2, teaching a seminar on the wealth choice. And yes. that you will be the speaker the, for our Sunday service, 10.30 a.m. to 12 p.m. Uh, this Sunday, talking about they can grow rich and black choice. So I want to mm-hmm. make sure that everybody who's in the Chicagoland area, or if you want to get in your car and drive here because it's worth it, to come to a seminar on Saturday. The Saturday seminar is free to attend. A love offering will be received, but it's free. Mm-hmm. Take advantage. He just told Leslie, your father's business is getting better. Yep. Take advantage of the opportunity to come learn, to come get into an environment of transformation because we're here as a ministry to help support the evolution of human consciousness, and you want to be around people like that. Trust me. So with that, uh, Dr. Kimbrough, I don't know if we'll be able to take calls in or not because I'm disconnected from the producer. Um, I, I, I guess he can maybe message me if need be. But anyway, so let's just go forward from here because we have about 13 minutes left with the laws of wealth, and if another caller comes in, we'll navigate it as needed. So I apologize for the technical difficulty. Oh, absolutely no problem. Never forget, uh, Reverend McDowell, those who succeed are always good at plan B. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Plan B, and you executed that to perfection. But we were talking about the third law, which is believe in yourself when no one else will, and I shared that with with Leslie. I mean, you can never do – I tell my students all the time, you know, money is not the bottom line. And they say to me, you, Dr. Kimbrough, you of all people know money is not the bottom line. Love is the bottom line. If you love your job, uh, you're going to get the parking space closest to the facility. If you love your customers, you're going to be given more customers. If you love your coworkers, you're going to be a manager in no time. Well, you got to love what you're doing. I mean, you got to find your area of excellence, that one thing that really isn't work to you, but you would do it as, you know, your, your calling and your service to others. So that's the hallmark of believe in yourself when no one else will, as well as the fourth law, to thy own self be true. Finding your unique gifts. And the only way that you're going to find your unique gifts is to embrace the silence. You know, the Bible says, peace, be still. Well, be still. What goes through your mind? Imagine this. It's a Saturday. It's raining outside. Um, you don't feel like going to the mall, you don't feel like visiting anybody, you're in your home, you're in your condo, you're in your apartment, where does your mind gravitate to? It's the silence. When you embrace the silence, when you go within, when you become cathartic, when you become introspective and find your true calling. Remember, a career is what you're paid for, but a calling is what you're made for. It's the silence between the notes that makes the music. It's the silence, it's the space between the bars that confines the tiger, that confines the lion. What does the Bible say? Peace, be still. Master, the waves are raging. Peace, be still. Master, he left me with these children and now I can't pay the mortgage. Peace, be still. 
Master, I just got a pink slip. I've just been laid off my job. Peace be still. When you go inside and you really find your unique gifts, that's when you are on the fast track to success. The fifth law, how may I serve thee? Service is the price to pay for the space that we occupy. And we all here to serve. And this is the formula for wealth. Q plus Q plus MA equals C. The quality of your service plus the quantity of your service plus the mental attitude in which it is rendered always equals compensation. And everybody here can serve. Everybody's got, everybody's got a customer. If you're a doctor, your customer is your patient. If you're a parent, your customer is your child. If you're a teacher, your customer is your student. And your number one task, deliver better service, faster service, be more productive, and more efficient. Service is the price you pay for the space that you occupy. The sixth law, thou shalt own thy own business. Right now, there are about 2.5 million black businesses in the United States. That's the good news. The bad news is 2.4 million of the 2.5 million are sole proprietorships. We got to build bigger businesses. And when you look, when you, you know, I'm a Johnny come lately, uh, Reverend McDowell. When you look at the wealth choice, what, what I did, okay, when I set out on this seven-year quest, I made the distinction I didn't want any actors, any entertainers, because we are overpopulated in those areas. Number two, I wanted to use a full-blown survey. I developed a survey based on 118 questions, sent it out completely and totally anonymously to all these black millionaires. I held six focus groups around the country. If you were an African-American and you didn't, you know, uh, cross the seven-figure barrier, there was really no need for us to talk. My first focus group, my first group, uh, focus group was in the uh, Raleigh-Durham area. Number two, I had another focus group um, in the Washington, D.C. area. There were about 100 black millionaires in the Washington, D.C. focus group. I had three focus groups in the Atlanta area. I had one in Omaha and one small one out in Las Vegas with just black women. And then last but not least, I had um, uh, face-to-face interviews. I had 50 to 60 interviews. Now, like I said, I set out on this quest. I didn't want any athletes, any entertainers, but obviously some folks I had to interview. So I had to interview Steve Harvey, great interview with him. Uh, like I said, I had to interview L.A. Reid, L.A. Reid of uh, X Factor. Had to interview uh, Damon John, uh, Tyrese Gibson. Great interview with him. As a matter of fact, he spoke in my class. And out of that, what did I find out? That these individuals were basically in business for themselves. Some were in real estate. Some were in the music industry. Some were just entrepreneurs and, and different enterprises. And the biggest mistake that we will ever make in life is to think that somebody else signs our paycheck. No, you are in business for yourself. And what we need at this hour, we need men and women who are bold enough, who are courageous enough, who are audacious enough to sign their name on the front of a paycheck as well as the back. And then last but not least, the seventh law, make your money grow. That's why I'm glad we had that caller asking about investing. Make your money grow. Just like W. Clemmerstone said to me years ago, he said, young man, if you cannot save 10% of everything that you earn, the seeds of greatness aren't in you. Like I tell my students all the time, don't show off, show up. I had an interview, Nashville, Tennessee, with a gentleman. He's a plastic surgeon. His name is uh, Roosevelt Peebles. And he's just not any plastic surgeon. He's a phase four plastic surgeon. And what is a phase four plastic surgeon, Reverend McDowell? Here's a black doctor. If you're walking down the busiest street here in Atlanta, Georgia, Peachtree Street, and for some unforsaken reason, a tractor-trailer truck hits you and, you know, splatters your body into a million pieces, this guy could put you back together again, and no one would see a stitch or scar. Wow. That's That's a phase four plastic surgeon. And ironically, there are only about 18 of these individuals throughout the United States and he's, he's the only black one that I know of. Uh, I asked him how many uh, African-Americans like you, and, and he didn't know of any other. His business is all referral and 99.99% white female. He cleans up jobs that other plastic surgeons botched up. 
You just don't walk. Oh, Dr. Kim, we're having a hard time hearing you now. Hello? Dr. Kimbrough? Hello? I am here. Okay. Yeah, I was, for whatever reason, it was a breakup. I didn't hear you. Whatever you just said. Okay, where did where did I set stop? Um, you said he cleans up uh, 95 uh, Yeah, completely referral. And he just cleans up the botch jobs that other, you know, plastic surgeons have done. Uh, his his uh, business, his practice is all referral, 99.9% white females. And, um, you know, I, I didn't dare ask him his net worth. We did talk about that. He's a multi, multi, multi-millionaire. But um, I shared with my students because I met his wife, and I asked my students, I said, what, what type of car does his wife drive? And they said, oh, drives a Mercedes, drives a, uh, you know, Rolls Royce. I said, no. I said, she drives a Ford Escort. And uh, I asked him, I said, what is the number one goal in your life? And he said to me, I look forward to the day in which I can walk away from the practice, and me and my wife are going to get a sailboat, and we're going we're gonna to sail throughout the Caribbean. You know, that's, in, you know, when you talk about make thy money grow, I asked him, I said, what percent of your income do you save? And he said, minimum 25%. And that's what I found with all these millionaires. They save 15 to 20% of all their earnings. Wow. Wow. That's, that's, that's a powerful lesson. Yeah. Uh, that's a powerful lesson. And what I do want to ask you before the show is over, because we have about four minutes, is a particular uh, point on page 27 of the book, The Wealth Choice. And you can get The Wealth Choice, I'm sure, on Amazon.com or drdenniskimbrough.com and, you know, I'm sure various ways. I know you have a Facebook page, et cetera, so it's many ways people can get in contact with you and get your material. But on page 27, I mean, you, you talk about the disciplines in the chapter on the wealth of knowledge. And just maybe for two minutes, could you just – Talk about discipline number seven, strong sales skills. Sale is not a four-letter word. That in particular really stood out to me because many times people don't understand that you got to sell what you are about. Oh, yes. Yes. And the greatest sale that you could ever make, Reverend McDowell, is buying into yourself, believing that you're capable. Believing that, you know, you were made for the shoes that you're about to fill. I mean, that is the greatest sale. And what is sales? Uh, it's attention, interest, conviction, desire, close. Those are the key components of the selling process. And even when you're going through the interviewing phase looking for a job, you know, people don't hire you because there's a job open. No, they hire you because they believe in you. You know, no one hires you. You hire yourself in this particular hyper-competitive economy that we have out there. When you believe in yourself, when you buy into yourself, when you believe yourself worthy, when you know that you were created for a purpose, when you know that there's a creator who has made you and has crafted you, I mean, your creator didn't invent poverty. Your creator didn't invent scarcity. That's a part of your ego. And what is an ego, Reverend McDowell? It is any belief other than God. And we are mandated to live life and live it abundantly. When the Bible says live it abundantly, that doesn't mean Gucci and Prada and I have a lot of. That means believe in the possibilities. Believe what you can do. Believe what you can have. That's the greatest sale that you will ever make. And we're looking for people who can sell. Attention, interest, conviction, desire, close. And I can teach you all about the sales process. I don't care if you're working in Marshall Fields. What do they teach you at Marshall Fields or what do they teach you at Neiman Marcus? They teach you to ask only two questions. You walk into Marshall Fields and you walk into Neiman Marcus, have you found what you're looking for? And the patron may say no. And what is your response? Let me help you find it. Right. Have you found what you're looking for? And the customer says yes. And what do they teach you to say? Let me wrap it up for you. Will that be Visa or MasterCard? Well, if it's good enough for Marshall Fields and it's good enough for Neiman Marcus, it's good enough for you. I mean, so the bottom line, buy into the big picture. And that's all a part of your personal brand. 
People will judge you by 12, 12, 12, 12 feet away. You know, are you wearing a suit? Are you wearing a tie? Are you wearing the power colors? Dress for success. You know, 12 inches away. Can they smell your cologne? Did you brush your teeth? Do you have blah, blah, blah? And and by the first 12 words out of your mouth, do you have confidence? Are you making eye contact? Is your handshake firm? Unfortunately, a lot of people in our community don't know that. And that's why church, that's why Sunday service is so important. Because that is the only platform, that is the only forum where you can find a black woman with an MBA, with a degree in engineering, seated next to another black woman who dropped out of high school. For 20 minutes, they are seated together, and you've got to take all the information from that woman with that advanced degree and pour it into that poor sister who doesn't believe in herself. And that's why our churches are so critical today. Beautiful, beautiful. Thank you. We're, we're, we've run out of time. I thank you so much for this interview. I'm sure it has seeded into many people. For those who are listening live, if you didn't catch all of the show, the show will be available on the website probably tonight or by tomorrow. It will be available on iTunes and the Stitcher apps for mobile devices. Make sure that you get it. You share it with other people because we have to get the message of wealth of success out to the world. It matters. You can go to Dr. Dennis Kimbrough to make sure that you get all the information you need to make it work. Now, again, he'll be at Christ Universal Temple from 12 to 2 p.m. this Saturday doing a seminar on the wealth choice, and he will be the guest speaker from 10.30 a.m. to 12 noon this Sunday again talking or presenting about Think and Grow Rich. He's also going to do book signing. So if you have a book, Come in and get your book signed by Dr. Kimbrough. Thank you, Dr. Kimbrough. I look forward to seeing you on Saturday, being empowered by your message, and thank you for being you, showing up authentically as God created you to be. Wow. Thank you very much, my brother. I love you, and I will see you this weekend. You take care. You also. Love you back. Take care. God bless you, and God bless you, callers. I'll be with you next week with Truth Transforms. Thank you for tuning in to Truth Transforms with Reverend Galen McDowell. Join us every Wednesday at 10 a.m. for live discussions about how to live a spiritually transformed, prosperous, healthy, and joyful life. Truth Transforms, only on Unity Online Radio. This program is brought to you in part by Christ Universal Temple in Chicago, Illinois. Online at www.cutemple.org and on Facebook and Twitter under CU Temple. Do you experience the peace and joy promised by A Course in Miracles? Or are you still struggling to truly live your beliefs from moment to moment? Let Rev. Jennifer Hadley help you focus on your intent to be the love, be the peace, through practical application, by walking your talk. Experience the healing live every Tuesday at 10 a.m. Central on A Course in Miracles, Living the Love, Walking the Talk. Only on Unity Online Radio, the voice of an awakening world. Have you ever said to yourself, I'm living a life I never intended to create? What life did you intend to create? Did you set goals? Did you work toward reaching those goals? If we don't have a specific goal in mind or we don't know where we want to go, we may be likely to end up in places not of our choosing. Establishing goals along with guidelines on how to achieve them helps to keep us focused and energized and often makes our lives more interesting, useful, and successful. It's never too late to take control of your life. Once you have your purpose clearly in mind, explore the various ways you can make it happen and visualize the process you believe can work best. Set goals, do what it takes to accomplish them, and enjoy your process. This message has been brought to you by the Association of Unity Churches International. To find a Unity Church near you, visit www.unity.org.
Since 1977, Omega Institute in New York's beautiful Hudson Valley has hosted some of the best spiritual teachers and social visionaries sharing their messages of hope, healing, and transformation. On the Dropping In podcast, hosted by Emmy Award-winning producer Callie Alpert, you will enjoy in-depth interviews and conversations with people like Pema Chodron, Jack Kornfield, John Kabat-Zinn, and many others on the MindBodySpirit.fm podcast network. Also, check out the video series on Spotify.